I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. You guys can have a seat. Good evening. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Tonight's a special night for us. Um, we get to do Eucharist for the Lord's Supper. Eucharist is just a fancy Greek word that means thanksgiving or grace. And so we're going to come to the table of the Lord together, and we'll give you some more instructions about that. If you're new here, we don't want you to feel any pressure. You're welcome as a follower of Jesus um, to experience and taste and see that the Lord is good. And then super excited, Jay Lynn is getting baptized tonight, so we can't wait for that. <laughs> Significant event for her and her family and for us as her extended spiritual family. Another important date that you guys may or may not have uh, marked on your calendar was May 5th, 2019. 150,000 people crammed into a stadium to bet over $150 million worth of money on the Kentucky Derby, all to watch Maximum Override. Is that it? Maximum Security. Maximum Override is probably a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I apologize. <laughs> uh, this is what happens when I preach without notes. <laughs> to watch Maximum Security win, or did he? Now, I'm not a big horse fan or race fan. I had a buddy take me to the horse races one time. It was weird. It's kind of like the Sunday morning crowd meets betting culture. Like, <laughs> everyone's dressed up. I, I had a great buffet. That was awesome. That's what I remember most about it. Um, but it, it, it's, it's interesting that you see all those people gathered, a lot of them in silly hats, all getting ready to watch about a two-minute race. Now, Maximum Override came in first. Security. Why can't I say that right? Maximum Security came in first. Did anybody watch the race? I did. I had a friend at the house who was really interested in it. And so he came in first, or did he? Now, you guys, if you were watching the race, you should have known there's been some bad vibes from the beginning that something weird was going to happen, okay? First of all, it was raining, and it was like a two-hour delay. By the time they got the horses off, it was super muddy and sloppy, and then possibly... The biggest sign that we all should have known something was going to be up is the Backstreet Boys were the biggest celebrities at the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> you just know something not good is going to happen. No offense to Boggs, who loves Baker Mayfield, and he was there, but I want it that way. So <laughs> you shouldn't catch that. Maximum security crosses the finish line. Horse, trainer, owner go trotting into winter circle, and there they sit for 20 minutes. And you can watch it, like smiles go down, and then they're frowning. 20 minutes later, for the first time ever in the Kentucky Derby history, they overrule the winner. They call it back, they look at the game footage, and apparently with 5 eighteenths of a mile left and in the lead, maximum security jumps from his lane into four and five, obstructing the race of three other horses. He's disqualified and put in last place. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Jesus, I apologize. <laughs> That's not how I saw this going. Apparently, the Lord is not happy with my opening illustration. I'm not really sure how to recover from that, guys. <laughs> Thank you kindly. All right. <laughs> this is great. 
Jacoby's going to lead us through the liturgy in just a minute, so it's all set and sticky for you. <laughs> anyway, remember there's this horse story at the beginning? <laughs> Me either. <laughs> what I want to tell you tonight is that it's important for us to run the race that God has for us, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorning its shame and then sat down at the right hand of God. He's won the race. Our job is just to follow in his footsteps. So we've been in a series called Now What? We're looking at the post-resurrection experience. Uh, uh, good geef. Come on, Lord, help me. Post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And we've been camping out in John 21 for the past four weeks. And we're looking at him taking his favorite stallion, Peter, around the track of discipleship again and again. He's checked up in the saddle in John chapter 18 where he denied him. He's recommissioned him. And now he's setting him off as the leader of the early church. But last week, if you'll remember, Jesus unveils the kind of death that he's going to die, which would be to crucify, be crucified. And with the call of discipleship is, I bid you come and die. And it's almost as if in that moment, Peter looks left and right and is tempted to jump out of his lane. He looks at John, who's right beside him, and says to Jesus, what about him? If that's what I have to do, tell me what he has to do. Because a lot of times we're really concerned about be Jesus being fair. What Jesus is concerned about is treating us with love individually. And so he calls him and he says, what about him? And in the Hebrew, it's pronounced what Jesus replies to Peter, nunya, nunya business. <laughs> what is that to you? You follow me. So let's read that together. John chapter 21. We'll start in verse 18. Let me pray for us as we're turning there. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text? Would you go before us at this table? Would you go before us in baptism and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. John 21, starting in verse 18. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know the kind of death that he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So that's twice now. I don't, this is the disciple who's been called twice. Follow me once, follow me twice. Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved. Context, by the way, John, the disciple Jesus loved, is writing this. He refers to himself in the third person. And then he's going to give us even more clues, like the one who had learned over supper, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? That's the one. Peter asked Jesus, what about him? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Third time he's called. So a rumor sprang among the community of believers that the disciple would not die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. Jesus apparently is still being misinterpreted many times. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Why do you think Peter asked that question? What about him? Do you think he's jealous? 
You think there's like some kind of sibling rivalry among the disciples or some workplace animosity? Do you think Peter's pretty competitive and he's getting sick and tired of this disciple referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved? And he's like, come on, man. I mean, obviously, I don't know. Was Peter like type A firstborn, win at all costs? You know, you guys, you're the ones, sore losers. You can't stand it. Like it bothers you. Like you ruin board games for every family member because you, you just don't know when to quit. It, unless you dominate, there is no reason for existence. Yes, we know who you are. We still love you. It's difficult at times, but we're trying. Peter might have had this because in John chapter 18, they got in a foot race to the tomb of Jesus. And John makes sure to note, I beat him. <laughs> Peter got there last. I got there first. Maybe he's still sore about the, the foot race. Um, who, who knows? Or... Perhaps he's genuinely concerned about his brother. Uh, he, the Lord's just revealed that he's going to die by crucifixion, and he sees his brother over there and goes, what about him? Either way, regardless of the motivation, Jesus' response is curt. What does that have to do with you? As for you, follow me. Jesus is calling each one of us to run our own race. Uh, my professor and mentor, Dr. Terry Walling, puts it this way. God customizes the curriculum to fit your life. Peter's being asked to be Peter. He's not asked to be Paul. He's not asked to be John. He's not asked to be Mary Magdalene. He is taken with his story, his brokenness, his situation, and giving you unique kingdom contribution. In just a minute, we're going to baptize Jalen. She's not supposed to be anybody else in this room but her. God's going to take her brokenness, her beauty, her story, every single second that's brought her up into this point, immerse her in his love, his acceptance, and his vision for her life. And she has something very special to offer the kingdom that only she can offer and that we're only going to experience through her life. And that goes the same for all of us. Comparison is the thief of joy. How many times are we checking left and right and up in our saddles because our stories aren't lining up the way other people's stories are? Run your race and stay in your lane. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He's already finished the race. It's already been run. We're just dragging after him. And we've got this unique, brief moment in time and history to actually live a life that actually matters for something beyond just here and now. And he's calling you and he's calling me to run our race. I love uh, the story that Beth Moore tells. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with church culture, Beth Moore is like the Protestant pope for women's Bible studies. Um, she's an incredible teacher. And again, all you girls are sexist for never letting us guys in those Bible studies. I've, I've tried to start a Beth Moore guys Bible study and no one's ever signed up. Um, so I listen to her by myself and do my workbook. So you're welcome. She tells an incredible story about a family in her church, got pregnant, found out the child with special needs, went through the process of figuring out how to adjust their life in order to raise their child, um, trying to figure out the frustrations, but also the joys that come along with that. Ultimately, as he grows up, really enjoys running. And so Special Olympics come around, and they decide to enter him into it. They take him out for race day. They get him all pumped up, get him prepped. He's been training, and gun goes off. And racers take off, and she said, not only did he finish last, he finished dead last. Like, poor kid just got smoked. It was just obvious, you know, last runner has crossed the line, and about five minutes later, here he comes. 
So they get done, and the parents are walking towards him, and they're ready to encourage him and congratulate him on trying his best, and sometimes you don't win. That's just life. When before they stepped to him, the race official came up and put a gold medal over his neck and said, congratulations, son, you're the winner. The father didn't like this too much. He pulled the official aside and just said, hey, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but we prepared our son for what competition looks like and what life looks like. Sometimes you try your best and you don't win, and it's insulting because it's obvious to everyone in this stadium he finished dead last. And the official said, I I don't think you understand, sir. Every single other runner, as soon as the gun went off, they left their lane and were disqualified. Your son was the only eligible runner left on that field. Therefore, he is the winner because he crossed the finish line in his lane. Run your race. That's marked out for you. Your gifts, your weaknesses, your sin, dare I say, your salvation, your sanctification, your place in life, your place in your family, your brokenness, your beauty, all sovereignly combined by the loving hand of God to bring about your unique contribution. So as we come to the table tonight, let's taste and see that the Lord is good and be nourished to run a race. As Jalen comes to the waters of baptism, let's be reminded that our brothers and sisters have something distinct and unique to contribute to the community that we will only experience through them. Amen? Amen. I'm going to have Jacoby come up, and she's going to take us through some of our prayers and prompts before we come together and take Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Um, When she's done, I'll come forward with my wife, and we'll just kind of explain about how that works in this family. But Jacoby, we'll hear you gladly and try not to knock that over. Bless the Lord who forgives all of our sins. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Let us pray together. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on him in your hearts by faith. With thanksgiving. 